0: Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I'm here with Brad today. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, or going over some listener questions, rather, Um, kind of our mailbag, uh, which is really like an email message, or uh, people are going to our website, uh, thefaedge.com. And at the bottom, it it, has a little box there, you can submit your questions, it'll say, ask the guys a question. And uh, we we, uh, pulled out uh, three different questions that we wanted to cover from podcast listeners. And, uh, we, we think these will be insightful and helpful to, uh, to all of our listeners. So again, we want to thank everybody for, um, submitting your questions to our website. Um, also wanted to mention our Facebook community, the financial advisors edge community, find that right on Facebook. It's a free, uh, private community that you can join and, uh you know, share in on the, uh, wealth of knowledge, uh, that's out there. We have, uh, over 400 members now. So that's, uh, good to see Man, uh, Brad, uh, we started out with just you, me, Brad and Jeff, didn't we? Like, <laughs> yep. So, uh, you got over 400 now. So, uh, so that's awesome. So join that. And then on our Facebook, you can read all about, um, on our Facebook, on our uh, website, uh, you can read all about our coaching community, which we are launching, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how that progresses. Um, but it's called the Elite Advisor Lab. Uh, so all those advisors out there that um, you know are looking for a coaching community where they can kind of learn from other advisors that have had some success, like like Brad and Jim, and I've had some modest success. Uh, you can join that. Uh, read about it on uh, thefaedge.com, and uh, there's a, a free 30-day trial. So uh, test us out for 30 days and join us, um, and and a good chance to really hopefully learn a lot and and become one of the elite advisors out there. I think we're we're all trying to get better in some way, shape, or form, and um, and hopefully this this community will help you become one of the elite advisors out there. So enough of that. Uh, that's all the announcements we had. Uh, if you have questions, uh, go to our website at the bottom. You can submit your questions and uh, we'll get back with you and maybe use your question on a future podcast episode. Brad, um, there's a couple questions here. So, with this, Brad, uh, this question comes from a listener and was kind of—I I won't read it, you know, word for word—but uh, but been in the business a while, about twenty years, and has kind of gotten to a point, built a nice business, but has kind of plateaued and is not experiencing the growth, and you know, the the new clients that are coming on board like they used to. And this listener says that you know, how how do you change your mindset once you've been in the business for? for 20 years, what do you do to kind of get back in growth mode and start really accumulating and, and building the business again and getting more clients and building assets and um, really growing the business, if you will, once you've kind of been, you know, kind of at status quo for a while. It's a good question, isn't it, Brad?
2: I think so. And so this was this was someone who said they're they're in the business for 20 years and they're getting back to growth mode. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, my first reaction to that would be, <clears throat> if, you're already, if you made it 20 years in the business, you probably did something correctly at some point in time, I would, I would revisit whatever it was that got you there. I think Jim and I talked in a past episode about how we're tinkerers and we love to make changes to things. But sometimes when you find a recipe that works, you just got to keep cooking it. So I would start there.
1: Yeah. And I'm one of those people too. I'm always kind of looking for the next best thing, especially with technology and the way it is. I guess I like, what do they call that? Like shiny object syndrome. Yep, yep, yep. We and are. Yeah. I, I just think by nature and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, can I, can I find some way that's easier or cheaper or better or more efficient? Um, and, you know, kind of, I, I like, I like Brad's advice. Hey, going back to the basics and saying, okay, w- what worked for me in the past? Is that something that I can pick back up? I would take that a step further and say, what did you enjoy doing? Um, so, if you enjoyed, you know, I've never, admittedly, never door knocked before, but but uh, I, I know um, Jim has. Brad, have you ever door knocked? No. No. Um, so so Brad uh, doesn't know if he enjoys it or not. He may love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know that I would, but um, but you know, I would kind of go back and say, hey, what what helped you build build the business? Uh, in the past, what was most responsible for your growth in the past? As you as you kind of look back in the rearview mirror, and, and maybe that was seminars, maybe that was door knocking, maybe that was client appreciation events, maybe that was market update presentations, maybe that was social security talks that you did, or yeah. maybe it's rekindling relationships with centers of influence. You know, I, I would kind of revisit that. Um, and, and I've talked to so many advisors that kind of you know, they say, well, yeah, I, I used to have a lot of success with it, but but that was back then. Would it really work now? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, what has changed? You know, well, a lot of technology has changed and, you know, but but a lot of these old methods will still work today.
2: I swear to God, that's, I was going the same direction and saying, you know, they may require some modernization, you know, if it was 20 years ago or 30 or 40 years ago, but probably at the heart of it, it's, it's probably the same thing. Yeah, right. You may have to tweak it a little bit. And I we, I remember when I started people were talking the do not call list was not brand new but relatively new. And you know, people that were maybe at our stage now where they're 10, 20 years in would talk about the good old days when you could just cold call right out of the white pages. And the big thing, you know, the big stumbling block of the time was Oh, and I have to scrub all these phone numbers against the do not call list. And one adaptation to that was people started to recommend calling businesses instead of residential. Because they're like, number one, you know when they're there to, to answer, the, answer the phone, probably the phone because it's their job. And secondly, the do not call list didn't apply doesn't apply to to businesses. Yeah. It's a B2B call. So I, you know, whereas you know, when I started. 15, 20 years ago, the modernization of a cold calling campaign was, all right, we got to add a step here where we're scrubbing these numbers or targeting a different list. Some of these things might require another update now, but that's where I would still start. If you were a great cold caller in the 90s or the early 2000s or whenever, you're still a great cold caller. You just might need to adapt what you're calling about and maybe your approach to doing the calling.
1: Yeah. That That's great advice. You know, you know, things that have changed, you know, a lot, a lot less people have landlines uh, today than they did, yep. you know, way back then. So it's just kind of pivoting and adjusting your approach. But that's, that's kind of, I think, great advice is to, you know, kind of go back and you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but, but understand what you enjoy doing. Here's the thing about prospecting and marketing. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to stick with it. Um, and what I've learned from both Brad and Jim is, you know, find something you're good at, find something you enjoy and just stick with what works. Don't, you know, there, there's no sense. You'll just beat yourself to death trying to, to just carve out something brand new. Um, and, and meanwhile, you have this success. Now it may have been meager success or, or moderate success, but the thing about marketing or prospecting is nothing is going to be like. The best ever, and you're going to build this, you know, $100 million book in a year for most people. That's just not going to happen.
2: Here's the thing about moderate success moderate success year after year after year compounds into extraordinary success in our industry. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I always on this subject, I always think this is like personal trainers, really, Greg, like what we're talking about. I mean, come on now. If you want to get in shape, like you could go outside, walk up and down your closest mountain repeatedly for an hour or two every day. <laughs> and I promise six months from now, you'll be in better shape, a lot right. better shape. It ain't rocket science. So what I'm getting, my point here is if this person said they want to get, do they want to get back into growth mode or is it just something they think they would like to do? Like, I would love to be in better shape. I don't know if I want to spend three hours a day at the gym. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think that's the one probably the first question you got to ask is like, does everybody want to be a millionaire or a billionaire? Sure, probably almost everybody does. The real question is, do you want to put the effort in, and are you prepared to do the work required to be a millionaire or a billionaire? Same thing here. That's where I would start. <clears throat> would I like to be, you know, a multi-billion-dollar practice? Sure. Next question: Am I willing to do the things required to get there? And I don't know if the answer to that is yes or no.
1: Yeah, and and you know, what's the motivation behind this? You know, yeah. is this you know. Well, I've got, I've got more time on my hands. Cause I've, I've got the practice. It's kind of stagnant. I, so the motivation, well, I, I I've got the time on my hands. It'd be nice to make more money. Well, would it be nice? Or is, is there, you know, a lot of things would be nice in right, life, exactly. right? It'd be like, oh, it'd be nice to have a six pack abs. And, yeah. nice, you know, but are, are you really yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice? You know? but but the motivation the why behind what you what you're looking for it has to be significant enough to cause you to to take action Absolutely. and you know the, you know there's nothing wrong with having a lifestyle practice you know once you've kind of built it and you know and uh, you just kind of spend your days kind of servicing and you know kind of serv- uh, taking on a referral here and there um maybe you I, I don't know what the answer is to this for this this listener
2: yeah and and you know greg i think that the other thing I can say about this and just knowing only thing that we know really is his 20 year bet. Right. Yep. And looking right. So without knowing too much um, I will say this at at a certain stage, I don't know if it's 10 years, 20 years, I have no idea, but sounds like he probably is at the stage where he could at least look into um, that prospecting and marketing activities that are more uh, dollar than time focused. Okay. And what I mean by that is, I always felt like at the beginning of careers, like what's every rookie doing? Door knocking, cold calling, yeah, trying to network and send letters. But we all know that doesn't that's not going to build you a career, right? But it's the stuff that's free or cheap, right? But sucks to do and takes a lot of time. Well, after you're 20 years in the business and you have whatever you have 25, 50, 100 million dollars, whatever, if you have money to spend, you don't need to put in 60 hours a week walking around neighborhoods knocking on doors, you could spend you know, 1500 bucks a week on digital leads or spend, you know, $20,000 a quarter doing seminars. You can trade time for money and money for time in this business. There's different marketing and prospecting that's uh, better suited to each. So I would say that if you are a vet and you're looking to grow again, Maybe look at adding some of the things that are more money-focused than time-focused because, let's face it, you probably don't have the, uh, what, stamina, constitution. What do we want to use here as the word for saying, hey, I'm in my 40s now and there is no way I'm spending the next 50 hours of my life walking around knocking on doors. I'm just not doing it.
1: Right, right. Right? 20-year-old me would. <laughs> and then that you know on top of that you know so so Brad you you mentioned you know investing the dollars the marketing dollars into it you know how much would you be um you know willing to pay there's some advisors that are like whoa whoa $10,000 in marketing that's that's an uh, that's enough now we're we're so you got to kind of think about that that's um, yeah. you know how much are you willing to to put into to these ventures to grow. Um so great question there. Um next question I'm going to jump uh, into it Brad if you're okay. Um yeah. it's from a uh, listener named John. John uh he said he's gotten this same question or the same situation that's popped up uh two times recently where the the prospective client comes in and they've got accounts at a couple different places and they're already working with an advisor at a wirehouse and they want to keep that relationship with, and I'm going to leave, you know, the Wirehouse name out, but um said Wirehouse, um, they like that advisor, but they want to kind of spread the money out and uh, and open accounts with John at his firm so that they you know they have accounts at both places um How would you respond to this prospective client? Um, and how does he respond to this prospective client? What would we do?
2: Oh boy, we should have done this one first because this could take up an entire episode.
1: <laughs> um,
2: all right, so for starters, for me on this subject, I'm not going to be one of those guys that says I would never ever do that, where I would never share a client because I would be lying if I said that. Um, however, I will say I am one of those guys that I'm not going to do that very often. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going I'm to want to find out in this scenario is why. What is the prospect's motivation for wanting to maintain two relationships? And I personally have a couple where like, um, and very frequently, not I, not that I get this question very frequently, but pretty frequently when it comes up, I'm thinking of a particular client, her brother-in-law is the other advisor, right? Okay. Um, and, and it's not always a relative, but I've had a couple where it's like friend of the family. And where this starts a lot of times will be like the the friend of the family is starting their career. And it's a case oh. where the right the prospect or the client started an account or wants to start an account with this other advisor to help them at the beginning of their career. So I think in all of these scenarios, as long as it's an amount that isn't, you know, I'm not going to, you know, if I have a quarter, if I have $250,000 and I want to transfer two twenty five dollars to their friend, Johnny, who just started in the business, like you might as well just check fully, cat rather than partial because you ain't staying here for twenty five grand. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as it's as long as it's reasonable then that's one of those scenarios where I would say okay. Uh, so I do start there and think all right so what's the reason here? And if it's a viable one I will I will I'll work with that. What
1: what if you? they what if they say Brad and and I'm uh what if they say something like well we want to keep that relationship with Donnie over at you know Wirehouse um, but we want to kind of diversify our investments.
2: Yeah. Oh I do get that. do you get that a lot where it's like um, they're taking the don't put all my eggs in one basket in the wrong direction. Do
1: you get I, that? I, I have I personally have not um, really I have not I've not gotten oh that my gosh. Yet. Now I have gotten um the what if we roll over a portion and don't roll over the, the whole portion and keep because the 401k, Fidelity 401k is doing a good job managing our 401k for us. Yeah. What if, what if we just rolled over or had half of that into you to kind of get started? Yeah. I mean, I have in that, had
2: that. you have had that one.
1: Yeah. It's been years, but I did, I did have that one, uh, years back.
2: Yeah. You know, I think in that one, I generally take, I, I generally take just the conversational approach to those things and I'll just explain it logically. And I'd say, you know, just like you said, <clears throat> Fidelity's not managing your 401k. Fidelity funds are in your 401k or Fidelity is the record keeper for your 401k. And I would probably close that specific one out with and saying, Hey, and you know what? Fidelity is a fine firm. Uh, you know, if you, if we can certainly implement your plan using Fidelity funds if you'd like. And in a lot of cases, unless Fidelity's moved a lot of 401ks to those collective trusts to lower mm-hmm. costs a little bit. But if, if it's not a plan where they've done that, I mean, you might be able to even say specifically, like, we can actually use those specific funds if we want to. That's not a problem. But by the way, what did you say this person's name was? Daryl? Uh, Donnie. 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 Yeah. Right. Right. By the way, Donnie, the reason that we're rolling over is while you may like those 10 Fidelity funds that are in your 401k, we have those 10 in the IRA, along with thousands of other options that we could maybe complement your existing portfolio with. So something like that, I'd probably logic their way through it.
1: Yeah. You know, what, want- what about the, where they want to diversify from one oh. firm to you know Brad's firm? Um, we want to keep accounts over here, but also over here, because yeah. if if one bank went bankrupt or... <laughs> You, yeah, you
2: know, I used to use, so, and you can certainly talk about the the nuance of how, you know, maybe it's an SIPC thing or an FDIC thing or whatever. You, you can address that, I think, with just how the rules work. But if it's something where they literally are like, oh, I just want both of your ideas, you know, I like you both or whatever. Yeah, You know, I, I have in the past pretty frequently used, you know, the whole example of like, hey, you know, uh, that's really difficult because you know, he's not going to know what, what I'm doing. I'm not going to know what he or she is doing. And you wouldn't go to, we probably all use this or heard it, you know, you wouldn't have two different accountants do your taxes for the same reason, right? You wouldn't know, you know, wouldn't, one wouldn't know what the other's doing. So neither of them are going to be able to do the best job for you. Some flavor of that. But then I've also tied in the pricing thing, right? And it's absolutely true. And I'll say, Hey, look, you know, you know, uh, Donnie or whatever your name is, right? For one, let's let's walk about how that that's not an advantage for you, right? Uh, for one, let's talk custodial fees, right? You're going to pay custodial fees here, you're going to pay custodial fee there. Next, I'm sure you know if you already have an advisor, right, with tiered tiered pricing, whether you're doing commissions or fees, right? You're going to hit a higher break point having all of your money in one fund family, or you're going to hit a higher uh, fee break point on a, on a fee-only account. For most advisors where if you have a million bucks, you're getting priced like you're a million-dollar client. But if you're a half-a-million-dollar client at two places, you're going to get priced like you're a half-a-million-dollar client. By the way, whether anyone wants to admit it or not – and I do say this stuff, by the way. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I do say this stuff in meetings. And let's be honest. A million-dollar client is is going to get more, more eyeballs on them than a half-a-million-dollar client. It just is what it is. Right, and it could be a car dealer. It could be anybody. You know, if you buy if you buy two cars a year, a car dealer is going to service you a heck of a lot more closely than if you buy a car every four years. Man, Brad, that's brutal honesty right there, brother. (laughs) And and you know what? Like I said, guys, anyone listening, put this full disclosure. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's worked. It's worked for me, but I absolutely say these exact things to people, and usually, I mean, logic. It's true. It makes sense, and I think for the most part, people appreciate. I'm just talking.
1: Yeah, it, you know, so you you brought up costs saying, "Hey, you know, there's I just want to bring this up. There's some cost savings that, you know, working one with one advisor versus the other, look, you know, look at look at the the uh the fee schedule and and how that so it's going to cost you more money or could yeah. cost you more money. Also, Brad brought up, which I really like, there's it's likely that the two portfolios you know the the other advisor is not going to know how one portfolio is invested versus his or her portfolio that they're recommending so there's going to be a lot of redundancies and and overlap i would think um there's the chance that you know your risk tolerance is going to be measured different from from one advisor to the other You're- and and you know i like brad's point of the example you know you don't have two tax advisors do your tax return and give you tax advice so you don't have two dentists. Um, so um I would um I I, I don't I, I just want to make sure you're aware of the the di- I see more disadvantages than advantages yeah. here. But but this is totally your your opinion, um, you know, or your choice. Um and quite frankly, I'm with Brad on this one. I I don't have any client the only clients that i have that that, are, that do have accounts anywhere else is when they inherited an account and they're still wanting to work with mom or dad's advisor and quite frankly mom or dad's advisor is lying to them saying oh if you keep your accounts here you know there's a $40 fee it is the only fee you'll pay he's not right. talking about the 12b ones and expense ratios and all that so um Anyway,
2: <laughs> you, you know, another thing that I'll point out along, and, and I would just, I mean, in that scenario, I would point out the obvious and hope they make a good decision. Yeah. Especially after being lied to. Right. But, you know, I'll use other examples and hopefully if the, you got to think on your feet a little bit that applies to them, right? Um, you know, I'll use something like tax location that I know we haven't talked a ton about on the podcast, but we we will in Advisor Lab, right? Like I'll give an example, like, Hey, if you're our target asset allocations, 50, 50, And you got a million bucks in an IRA and a million bucks in non qualified, right? Like, I'm going to put the most tax efficient assets in the non qualified and the most tax inefficient in the qualified, save you some money. Here's what I can't do, right? Number one, if if I don't have both, if I don't have the $2 million here, I don't know what what the tax efficiency is happening on the other side of the table. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'd try and list a real, Concrete examples using their situation, their numbers on what it's going to cost them to make that decision. A lot of times, again, lead them to their let them use their own logic engine to come to their own conclusion. Yeah.
1: I I like that. Love that, Brad.
2: Yeah. And in the end, you know, I like I said, I won't, I won't say I never do it. If somebody's got five million dollars and they're like, hey, I want to split it with you and Greg, one, I'm gonna say, Oh, it's cool. I like Greg. I'm fine doing that. But yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, let's be honest. If somebody wants to give me two and a half million bucks and I like them otherwise and they don't want to leave blank wirehouse that they're out, all right, I'll take it. I'll try, but I will take it. But on the flip side, if it's questionable where I'm like, you know what, I would take this client, but you know, I don't see any real reason to split this. I absolutely have told people, and and most importantly, after this reason, this reason, this reason, I go back to my capacity issue. Right. Sorry, Donnie, there's only so much of me to go around, and I'm pretty much I'm spread. Pretty much at my limit. I can take a couple more relationships and a split relationship is just not something I'm willing to do right now. Maybe, and I'll usually try and put something in there that'll make it like... I don't know if it's passive aggressive or not, but I'd be like, that might be a good setup for someone that's maybe newer in the business that needs clients, you know, but at, just at my stage, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. I have blank clients. I have a uh, 150 million in assets out of this office. I just can't do it. I just can't spare the extra time to coordinate it. I just can't do it. It's not a good fit for me.
1: I like that. Um, it, yeah. and, and, and quite frankly, you could spin it another way and say, hey, and if I thought it was in your best interest, I would agree to that. Sure, but I don't think it's in your best interest, and, and therefore I, I I'm not agreeing to that kind of arrangement. So, uh, man, that, that that's a that's a good one. We've heard that over and over. Brad, I did have a one person that said, "Well, the reason that I'm going to split it up," and this is like years and years ago. Um, and this guy thought he was being slick or clever. He said, "I want to see who can have the best performance." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, so it's a horse race." I said, um, "I bet I'm faster than that guy." Um, I can run a uh a 4240, I bet, Brad. We all know an advisor who can run that fast. <laughs> and uh, and he laughed at that. And um and I said, So we're gonna be judged over the performance of the next 12 months. Is that correct? And he said, Yes. And I, I said, so so putting your retirement plan aside and putting like tax decisions and all this other planning that we're doing, you are just looking for the fast, the best performance over the next 12 months. I- am I understanding that correctly? Right. And he said, yes. And I said, I can get the best performance, but you you might have a heart attack if you if you see the level of risk that I'm taking with your portfolio. Yep. And he said, oh, I didn't even think about the level of risk you would take. Yep. Yep. And I ended up getting that client, um, and he was seeing the light that you know that's probably not a good decision to make. Let's let's not do a little horse race, a short horse race here. Let's not right. compare. Don't compare me over the last twelve months, you know, kind of thing. So, right. um, so that that's a good way to um, handle that question. Um, we've got one more question, Brad. If you, you got uh, some time here, so this question um, comes from Sean. Sean says, Hey guys, enjoy the podcast. You guys talk about investing in your, insel- in yourself, in yourselves and your businesses in marketing and, and other, um, other places. How much money are you guys actually putting into, um, your, your businesses with marketing and, um, and improvement. So, and that's from Sean, Sean. So okay. he, he's straightened to the point. I like it.
2: All right. So we're looking for are we looking for straight to the point answers? Is that what we're doing here? Uh, whatever you want, Brad. Mark marketing. So let's see. So my my marketing is for this year's two two main places. Uh, one is going to be from digital leads, which I'm not going to name any specific services. I think we'll get into more detail in the advisor lab for that and how to handle them. But I spending about five bucks. Yeah, at least five bucks. I would say. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm. I'm. I'm I'm spending about $40,000 a year on digital leads, maybe a little more than that, um, but at least 40,000 in digital leads. And then um, I use a couple of software packages to help manage that. And then, um, and I wouldn't say software package. I just mean like, I'm not, I'm again, I'm not going to name any names, but you know, to run drip campaigns and follow up and, and whatnot and keep track of leads. And then the other thing I'm doing is seminars. Uh, my seminars differ from yours and Jim's, I think quite a bit because of my niche. I think I can put them on relatively inexpensively and I will probably put on, I do them in sets of two. So I'll do like a Tuesday and Thursday, uh, advertise the Tuesday and Thursday on, a same, on the same flyer. I'll probably put on a series of two seminars for three or four grand and I'll probably do three of those this year. So probably another 10,000 or so in seminars. So I'd say about 50. In marketing this year okay okay and that's been pretty typical i'd say for the last well since covid for sure because i adapted you know some of the digital leads and whatnot adapted to more more virtual as everyone did for prospecting servicing and everything with covid and then some of that just stuck
1: yeah and and since covid i i um admittedly there was there was a time there of course the restaurants they, they took a beating and you know obviously sh- the idea of doing public seminars and marketing that way was just shut down for a while, right? right? I just, yeah, just because of COVID and the pandemic. So, so yeah, so uh, Sean, hopefully that gives you an idea for Brad. Uh, Jim probably uh, spends more money in marketing (laughs) than... well, maybe us combined. Well, I was going to say both of us combined, <laughs> and he's not with us today, but uh, but he's got it. His marketing plan is probably more in depth, you know, than than ours. He's he's got a big marketing spend, and quite frankly, his business growth is is just consistent. I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So um, so I wish he was here for that question because uh, I'd love to hear. Like a, a total value, like how much you spend in there, Jimbo. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh mine is uh, you know, mine's also digital leads. Um, I, I will be doing some webinars, seminars later in the year as get closer to to tax time. Um, and then um, and then you know, as far as mass media, um, I I, I do definitely some marketing there, so kind of split up. And I think in total it's around a hundred grand. And my goal is hundred grand. Um, mm-hmm. so um you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, you got to spend money to make money. And, uh, you know, I have shut off many marketing funnels the past couple of years that weren't working. Sure. Um, I, I tried to tweak them or, you know, adapt them the best I could, but you kind of got to go with, with what's working and what you enjoy and what you're going to stick with. Um, and and kind of you know learn from people. So if you know, quite frankly, I've learned a lot from Brad and a lot from Jim. I, I've gone through coaching, so it's also investing in yourself. Whether that's you know getting a CFP designation or other kind of designations, um, I'm working on the enrolled agent. Um, you know, but also you know coaching and uh, going through programs like the Elite Advisor Lab, or I've gone through um, quite a few, everything from, um, Jason Wank back in the day to, uh, Aaron Votsard has a great program. Ron Carson had, had a great program back in the day. Um, I I've really spent some money there and, Greg, and you've Wank, done strategic coach also, right? Yeah. Years and years ago. Yeah, okay. Years and years ago. So I've, <laughs> I've done a lot. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah. I've, I just, so there's certain things that you can pick up and, and kind of how I look at it. And, um, invest investing it's an investment in yourself right so if that's going to make me more effective and 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 better advisor it's good for not only me the business but also the clients most of all so um and and what you know the end result there and what that's going to mean is more referrals um happier clients you know that kind of thing so um so good. yeah yeah well- don't be afraid to invest in yourself. I mean, we're putting serious money. We're not just putting five bucks into this and saying, uh, you know, hey, I hope the five dollars doubles to 10.
2: <laughs> hey, I want to point something out on this topic, not just for Sean, but for anyone listening. Mm-hmm. Try when you're thinking of marketing, whether it's whether it's the time or the money or effort or the money. I think of this a bit like an exercise plan or a diet plan. Like if you're listening to these numbers and you're someone that doesn't do marketing or have never done marketing or you know, maybe spends like a thousand or $2,000 a year. Don't listen to what we're doing and jump right in. Because I think like, just like a new year's resolution, like the person that goes and buys like the diamond package at the local gym, a new treadmill and decides they're only going to eat seaweed and asparagus for the next 18 months. Like, sounds great. If you could do it, you'd probably kill it and be in great shape. But what's likely to happen is you can't hold that pace from zero to a hundred you, you got to work your way up, right? So wherever you are in your practice, right, and you're thinking of marketing, don't just think because I'm spending 50 or Greg's spending 100 or Jim's spending, uh, God only knows what Jim's out there spending, right? You don't have to do that. You no. can You ease your way in and get used to it. Get a pace that you can keep. Because I promise, if you can only go for a walk on your lunch break every day, but you do that every day for the rest of your career... You're going to be in better health 10 years from now than the person that goes really crazy working out three times a day, but only holds it for two weeks and then goes back to their old habits because they just couldn't keep that kind of pace, right? Right? Slow and steady wins the race. It's great that you're thinking about this stuff. It's great that you're working on it. Come up with a plan and implement in phases, in phases that you can handle both with the time, effort, and money. Don't kill yourself and and drop out after a month because you just bit off more than you could chew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously... Um, you know, it, it is, it is baby steps. Like obviously, uh, the, the marketing that I'm doing, the marketing plan that I put together, um, it didn't happen overnight. Sure. Right. So, um, it, it is, A- as you kind of progress and, 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 evolve in this business, you know, obviously there'll be more money to in- invest not only in marketing, but, but also coaching and, um, and getting better. So, uh. So yeah, don't, don't think you have to do what we're doing um, you know, to the T, I, I think is Brad's main point. So so that's awesome. So that's the third question that we had, Brad. Again, I'll ask you for final thoughts in a, in a minute. But uh, if you have questions, listeners, go to our website, thefaedge.com. At the bottom, there's a section you can submit your questions. Uh, check out Elite Advisor Lab, which is our private co- uh, community right there on the website. Uh, you can read about that. And uh, Brad, any final thoughts?
2: No, the uh, the uh, go at your own pace. Don't burn out. That was my final thought. I just uh, jumped the gun a little.
1: No problem. No problem. <laughs> um, I wish uh, my if I thought, my final thought is I wish Jim was here to answer that question because I'd be really? curious to see how much money he's putting into to not only marketing but but also coaching and and getting better because uh, he's uh, a lot we could learn from that guy. I'm I'm just really really curious. Sure. So uh, Jim, Wait, will be actually, back. you know. All
2: right, my final thought is going to be a question since Jim's not here to answer. is a question. Ballpark, what do you think you've spent on this stuff in your career? Oh, Ballpark. Man. Yeah.
1: Okay. To, to me or Jim? To you. Oh, man. Put me on the spot, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh boy. Greg's answer next week on the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Right. You want me to add it up and come back next week and tell you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what we'll do.
2: Sorry, guys. That was just a
1: joke. I mean, he's not going to answer. Okay. All right.
2: A lot. A lot. There you
1: go. But you know what? I, I'll answer it with this too, Brad. Probably a lot of the best money I ever spent. Um, because that's I think about this quite a bit. If I could have put that money into, let's say, um, you know, index funds, yeah, would it be anywhere near uh what it is today, putting it into investing into myself and marketing in the business? And and the answer is no. It's oh. so if, not not anywhere near. And, and how I how to think about this if brad puts 50 grand into marketing and i'll just i'll call brad out let's say brad in the the revenue that that generates from new business is $50,000 per year right so brad made his money back within the first year And then he has, assuming those clients don't leave, he has a perpetual income stream of $50,000 and hopefully those people are dollar cost averaging and there's, and it'll keep kind of uh, growing and compound interest and all that stuff. Wasn't that like the best investment Brad has made? Absolutely. Probably. So uh, I don't have as much, you know, save for retirement. A lot of it's tied up in the business, but I just think about like, man, if I, If I put a hundred grand, instead of putting that into marketing, I put that in an index fund. Like, wow, what a terrible idea that would be. It needs to be going into myself and marketing and that kind of thing.
2: Well, think about it. Even if, I mean, if you, even if you grow 10%, I mean, seven years to double your, your 50 grand that way. And even kind of shoddy marketing, you know, if you spend 50 grand on marketing this year and it only generates 25 grand a year in revenue, and it's two, you know, it's two years to break even and then it's gravy for the rest of your life like even that even using pretty solid all equity returns and comparing it to not so great marketing it still isn't even close right right
1: yeah. so and and i think that's what jim martin knows <laughs> and he's known that for a long time right and that's why he's been so successful so I'll kind of end on that. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, on another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Again, check us out on our website, thefaedge.com. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the show.